everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. Well, change is coming to the Iowa legislature. The first ever female Speaker of the House, Linda Upmeyer, announced this week that she is stepping down as Speaker at the end of this year and will not seek re-election in 2020. She wants to spend some more time with her family. This could mean a potential shakeup across the board in leadership. The Speaker of the House has a big job. They run the daily business on the floor, but are also in charge of recruiting members, fundraising, and just administrative work at the Capitol. I sat down with her as she reflects on her time as a lawmaker and whether she ever planned to take on this role. Not in a million years. <laughs> so, I, and, and it's really kind of interesting because my dad was a speaker. You know, that was something that that before I arrived here, I probably didn't fully appreciate, wow, that's a big responsibility, big undertaking, but as a new member, it was vivid. I watch the speaker and I think, oh my gosh, uh, what uh, what what a, what an honor for them to do it, but what a big job that is. And I thought I would never ever be able to do anything like that. So you just put it out of your mind. There are there are probably 99 other people in the room that have those same thoughts. That but you know you don't you don't focus on that. You do your work. It really is an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity because when you walk down the hallway and you look at the pictures, um, while there are you know many people that have held this position not that many right they fit on a wall and uh, so few Iowans get this they get this opportunity and I just feel so lucky and so blessed that I've had it and you're the only woman on that wall I, I, I will go on the wall as the only woman so I've decided uh, that picture be in color they're all black and white Perfect. so we're gonna add a woman in color what would you say is your biggest accomplishment as speaker you know, in 17 years, there have been many things I've been proud of. Certainly the health care things I worked on very early in my career, I'm super proud of. I was the only health care provider when I came here, only nurse, doctor, pharmacist. Wow, there was really? I, I was it. And uh, so I, I had the privilege of doing some of that early health care work back in those days. Uh, so I'm always proud of that, that I was able to lend perhaps some extra expertise into some of those things. But um, I think the thing that big picture, many, little, uh, many, many big bills, many big things, but I think one of the things we had the opportunity to do was change the culture. Over the course of the last nine years, I think we viewed the budget a little differently. We've gone through lean times, we've gone through uh, prosperous times, but we've paid close attention to making sure the taxpayer was at the table. We were spending those dollars wisely. We were funding the priorities of Iowans all the time, balancing our checkbooks, making sure we were using ongoing money for the general fund, and we had one-time money. We invested it in one-time expenditures. So really viewing the budget in a, for an eye to stabilizing it more. So we weren't having the peaks and valleys but having a more stable budget, and we didn't have to have big, big budget cuts. We were, uh, I mean, of course, we've gone through some deappropriations, but I think we've got a culture and a system for being much more stable. And at the same time, we've been able to do some really generational uh, tax reforms when it comes to income tax. We've provided more transparency when it comes to property tax. And so I think those are some of the things that I'm really proud of. 
as you are also reflecting back on your time as a legislator, but more specifically as Speaker of the House, are there any issues that you wish you could have done more with? You know, I've thought about that. There's certainly bills that I was in favor of that didn't get the support along the way. But um, what I have done, some in a different way, maybe. But I, I, I'm just really pleased with uh, the way things went. And I'm hard-pressed to think. I mean, most recently, I'm still, getting, I'm still getting emails about the bottle bill. You know, can we fix the bottle bill? Well, you know, that, that's one that we're still needing to tackle, uh, certainly. And, um, you know, we still continue to um, sort through I will, for example and uh, the, the trust fund. So those are things that I think will continue. I think we've worked hard on them. We've listened to Iowans on all those things. And uh, when, 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 when members are ready to do that, I think that'll happen. For whoever your predecessor is, whoever takes over for you as speaker, what is the number one piece of advice you would give him or her? I think the, the, the most important thing you need to do is listen. And uh, caucus members, the community, uh, now in a greater uh, expanse for those people. Because people around the state, um, even though you don't represent their district, they know you're the speaker. And so you need to be interested in things all over the state that perhaps weren't um, weren't on your on your plate before. So listening is such a huge part of it. You learn so much from all uh, listening to Iowans, listening to the members, and it really guides your path. A new speaker will be voted on tomorrow, Monday. It's between Representatives Winchettle, Grassley, and Hagenau of as of now. Upmeyer will remain a representative until the end of her term in 2020. Everyone, we are joined now by the mayor of the city of Des Moines, Frank County. Mr. Mayor, thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Okay, so you uh, are running for mayor, running for re-election. Once again, the longest serving mayor in our city. Why run again? What do you feel like you have not accomplished that you still want to accomplish? Well, I will say that we've come a long ways. Um, you know, we used to, to wish we'd be in the top 50, and now we find ourselves, uh, you know, the best place for millennials to live, uh, best place for people to retire, one of the most affordable places to live in the country, uh, one of the uh, top places to start a business, and, and uh, so many different accolades that we're not just in the top 50, we're in the top 10, the top five, number one in many categories. So it's, uh, it's really been great to do that, but we know that the work is, is never done. Uh, all the accolades that we get, um, we need to make the whole city feel it. We've made a promise last year to work on infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, with a local option sales tax. And uh, we said we were going to repair the streets. We're going to um, repair the potholes and do crack sealing. We're going to get out and we're going to work on public safety. We're going to build a new fire station. We're going to extend library hours. We made a lot of commitments, and I was at the forefront of that. Um, and I want to make sure that we're going to do it. And quite frankly, it's not just about us or you and I sitting here. It's about our kids and our grandkids. And I want to make sure that we do that foundational work that's in place that I promised, that our city council promised, and we, we need to make good on it. And I know what we promise, and I know where we're going, and 
I know that it, it can improve our city uh, even more. What's your timeline on some of those big projects that you'd like to see? Well, you know, um, the big projects, uh, which are, you know, replacing streets, mm -hmm. you can't tear them all up all the time um, and get them all done at once. I mean, we've got probably uh, a couple hundred million dollars worth of, of work to do. Right. So we're, we've stepped our commitment up uh, with sales tax and capital improvement and other sources from $5 million a year on streets to $20 million a year. And we're stepping it up on potholes and crack ceiling from uh, about three to five million uh, a year to twelve million a year. Wow! Okay. And so uh, this last year, for instance, I mean, some people are still concerned about potholes, but you know, a number of years ago, um, we weren't doing them. I think quite as fast as we would like to. But uh, especially this last year, we saw huge freeze, thaw, and potholes mm -hmm. coming all over the place. Well, now, you know, we, we, have, uh, we have an app. The MyDSM so, app. So I have it on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> so MyDSM. And uh, so we went from 6,000 potholes in the previous fiscal year to doing 16,000 potholes. So we are really stepping it up to try to do it and, and relieve some of the, the discomfort that some of the neighbors have over potholes. But they need to give us feedback, make sure, mm -hmm. and when you do that, uh, and you use that app, guess what? You send it in, it GPSs it, it says exactly where it is, you get a reply back and it will be repaired 24 to 72 hours. And if, if it doesn't, I would invite everybody to give me a call and uh, we need to step it up. But there's a lot of people that still don't know that it's out there, but right. we can get it done and we're always looking at better ways 21st century ways to do it and uh, ever improving. Now we know that you also have a challenger for this election and that is Jack Catch and he's made some accusations about um, you not being quite at the forefront of the waterworks issue and now there's been this proposal for a regional water authority so I'd like to play a quick soundbite from him. It's about 25 seconds and then we'll only have about 30 seconds to react on the other side but I do want to give you the opportunity. Bye. Well, we can leave it the way it is, and what I'm going to, what I've suggested today, is that I don't think we do anything um, until we have, uh, until we review the financials, mm -hmm. we have an independent audit, and we have public hearings. And those public hearings will give a chance to the citizens of Des Moines to tell us, the, the, the city council and the mayor, if I'm elected, and the waterworks, how they want us to run and manage and purify their water. So... From Jack Hatch's perspective, this is um, premature to create this regional water authority or to have this proposal. So can you just very quickly respond to that for me? Well, so um, we've been working on this for 15 years. We've had uh, uh, water guarantees and in, in constructing facilities all around. This is not a new issue. Over the last two or three years, we've actually brought all of our partners, over 20 uh, customers of the Des Moines Water Works together. This is about the provision of clean, safe, affordable water in adequate quantities to meet the needs of our region. We've been collaborating with our, our neighbors for a really long time, and I think that's the best way to do it, to guarantee the pricing for the citizens of the city of Des Moines, but also for the customers of Des Moines Water Works to make sure that we're all working together and it's collaboration that's going to make it work. And uh, we've been doing it and we'll continue to do it. Mayor County, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I always wish we had more time. We 
are joined now by Senator Charles Schneider, who is here um, in kind of a different capacity. So he sits on the administrative uh, rules committee at uh, the state house for the Senate. But um, you appropriate legislative counsel. You are so busy. You're the president of the Senate. But you also had this crazy idea, and that was to make black license plates available to Iowans. Yeah, it, it ended up not being so crazy. Right. Um, it, it all came about because a lot of Iowans were buying Dort College plates, mm -hmm. which have black backgrounds on them, and then also buying a specialized frame that uh, blacked out everything about Dort College <laughs> and left only the word Iowa and the license plate number on them. And some people who had done this were getting pulled over by law enforcement and being told that those frames were illegal. Other people were being told by law enforcement that they uh, were legal and uh, so the people would buy these frames in reliance on that. And finally, someone just emailed me and asked us to put some, to clarify the law so that people would know one way or another if this was something that was legal or not. And as I was thinking about how best to approach this, I thought, why not just uh, legalize uh, the creation of a black license plate because that's really what people were after in the first place. Right. So um, you recall that there was kind of this conundrum a couple years ago when these new license plates that we have, not the black license plates, mm -hmm. when they came out, you know, everybody had their own opinions and on the artwork. Um, why is it okay to have these black license plates? You know, there was kind of, what talk to me about that. Well, we have a lot of specialty plates already. Mm -hmm. Every every private college has their own specialty plate. We've got specialty plates for uh, the three public universities. Uh, we have specialty plates for a lot of other things, too. And people can see how many uh, we have just by Googling Iowa license plates DOT, and they'll see a whole array pop up. Um, I think this uh, is an idea that made sense because it was something that people obviously wanted and uh, the numbers bear that out. At the end of September, uh, 31,550 of these plates had been sold, <laughs> making it the, the best-selling specialty license plate ever in Iowa history and after was, just three months. Yeah, three months of being for sale when some of these license plates have been for sale for years and years yeah, and years. Yeah. And it's an extra $1.3 million into the road use tax fund. That's mm -hmm. a constitutionally protected fund that's dedicated to road construction and maintenance. So and it's, it's been a, a good thing. That's all state highways, right? Yep, state, state highways okay. and, and county and local roads, too. That money um, is distributed through a formula. Wonderful. I mean, did you expect it to take off like this? You knew that people wanted it, but... Yeah, it, w it was clear people wanted it, but I didn't think it would be the best-selling license plate in just three months. What about the fact that counties are running out of them? Well, I think that just speaks to the fact that they're so popular. Mm -hmm. um, I know the DOT is working as hard as it can to make sure that um, every county has a supply of these plates. Um, at first, you had to order these, and then um, when it became clear that they were going to be so popular, counties should just have a supply of them on hand, that's when the DOT started uh, sending bulk shipments of them out to the counties. And yeah, I think, uh, I don't even know how many counties now have sold out of them at, at one point or another. But the DOT is doing a great job of trying to stay on top of demand and getting as many plates out there as fast as they can. It's really impressive. Uh, now, talk to me about this process and how this, as your job as a legislator, it kind of goes to show that there's so much negativity surrounding a very small amount of what you guys do. You know, mm -hmm. there's most of what you do is bipartisan and it's just to help people. And this is kind of something fun that is at the forefront that is actually on people's minds that shows what good comes from what you guys do. I think that's exactly right. I mean, there are, uh, people have a lot of negative 
uh, feelings about government in <laughs> right. general and about mm -hmm. politicians in particular. And I think what this shows is that uh, those of us in the Iowa legislature, whether we're Republican or Democrat, uh, we're there to work for our constituents and to work for Iowans. And if someone comes to us with a good idea, we're going to listen. And if it's something that's not controversial, it's easy to get done, we'll do it. So how long was the process from start to finish of getting that email, hey, can you clarify the law to having it be the most popular specialty license plate in the state? <laughs> it's a, it was an interesting process. It always is. Um, <laughs> but I got the email, I think, um, the, the one specific email that asked about um, addressing this sometime last October. Oh, okay. And um, I worked with a colleague of mine, Senator Edler, to put the original license plate language into a different bill that he had been running. Uh, that bill, um, unfortunately, didn't pass, so I worked with leadership in the House and with Senator Whitford in the Senate to find another avenue for, for the bill to become law, and we agreed to put it in a budget bill at the end of session, and uh, that's how it got done. You know, we look at those budget bills. I didn't even notice it in the budget bill because it seemed so small, and now yeah. it's $1.3 million. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate your time. Thank you yeah, so much for thanks coming for having out. Thanks for Giving us something fun to talk about. You bet. We appreciate it. We'll take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Republican State Senator Marionette Miller-Meeks has announced she is running for Congress in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District, currently held by Democrat Dave Loebsack, who says he will not seek re-election. Miller-Meeks is a United States Army and Army Reserve veteran and retired lieutenant colonel, later opening an ophthalmology practice in Ottumwa and serving as the president of the Iowa Medical Society. In 2010, Governor Branstad appointed her as director of the Iowa Department of Public Health. Miller Meeks faces a primary. Bob Schilling is also running for the Republican nomination. He's a former congressman from Illinois, having represented the Illinois Quad Cities from 2011 to 2013. He lost re-election in 2012, and he recently moved to Iowa. An Iowa judge has ruled that Iowa can require an ID to head to the polls, a law that passed in 2017 and was challenged in court by LULAC, but the judge struck down other parts of the law. The judge now says election officials must issue free voter IDs to any voter who asks for one. According to the Secretary of State's office, these are the acceptable forms of ID. that An Iowa voter ID that's free, an Iowa driver's license, an Iowa non-operator ID, military ID, U.S. passport, or a tribal ID. Again, if you don't have a government-issued ID, you can get a free voter ID card. It is automatically sent to your home address when you register to vote if you do not have a driver's license. Advocacy groups, though, aren't happy with this week's news, saying voter ID laws make it harder for some people to vote. Governor Kim Reynolds at a press conference Wednesday gave her thoughts about what President Trump is facing with the impeachment inquiry, offering skepticism. You know, really until they take a, a vote, and I know what they're accusing him of, um, I don't think there's anything there. So there's procedures that they have to follow, and I'm not sure that's been followed yet. Reynolds went on to say that she will not continue to weigh in further on this impeachment inquiry. Thank you for listening to the This Week in Iowa podcast. You can find the This Week in Iowa podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, so be sure to subscribe now. You can also watch This Week in Iowa every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Local 5. 
For the latest in Iowa political news, follow This Week in Iowa on Twitter or visit weareiowa.com. Thank you.